Bible Code 7, University of Spiritual Warfare. We take this time out to welcome you, say thank you for coming on board tonight. We have a fabulous uh, teaching for you tonight, something that you need. And the objective of our teaching is to, is to bring you out of the t spiritual twilight zone that you're in and to bring you into clarity of God's promises for you. So tonight we have an important topic that we must deal with. This has to deal with your whole life because many people go through life and they're cursed and they don't understand. And we want you to understand what's going on. So if you're not in full understanding of something, you're in the dark. And we don't want you to be in the dark. We want the light of understanding to shine in your heart. So we're using a topic tonight, Roots of Cursing. Roots of Cursing. Undoing the Cursing of a Master Warlock. Roots of Cursing. Undoing the Cursing of a Master Warlock. This is part one. Part two is next week. Let me ask the question, and many of you would give me an answer. Formulate an answer, if you will. Do you understand what a curse is? Now, we've often read about a curse and how people curse people, and witches and warlocks, they curse people, and the curses might be effective most of the time. But do you understand that the curses can be undone. How many people know that when people curse you, you can undo or unlock their curses? You can send it back to them. You don't have to make it be downloaded upon you. This is what we want to do tonight and next week, part one and part two. So to fully understand a blessing, we must fully understand a curse and vice versa. To fully understand a curse, we must fully understand a blessing. <clears throat> Let me ask the blessings of God upon the line tonight. So there will be no glitches, no cutoffs. We cover this line under the blood of Jesus Christ. We cover you, your home, your family under Jesus' blood. We speak that the angels of God are watching over us. and There will be no intervention of evil. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. For us to understand the curses, let's go back to the first curses. Who did the first curse? God did. God cursed first. Genesis 3.14 says, And the Lord said unto the serpent, Because you have done this, you are cursed above all cattle. You are cursed. God cursed the serpent above all cattle and above every beast of the field. And upon your belly you shall go, and dust shall you eat all the days of your life. So the serpent was cursed by God. Why? The serpent allowed himself to be used by Satan, who was invisible, to come in him, and Satan spoke through him. Second curse was done by God, Genesis 3.17. And unto Adam he said, because you have done, you have Hearken unto the voice of your wife, because you listened to Eve, and you have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, saying, You shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for your sake. Listen carefully. You disobeyed me. You didn't do what I commanded you to do. You broke my command. But God didn't curse the man, and he didn't curse the woman. He said, Cursed shall be the ground for your sake. In sorrow shall you eat of it all the days of your life. So the ground is cursed. And we come from the ground. And guess what? The Bible says, man that's born of a woman, his life is full of trouble, and his days are few. That's in the book of Job. So we live a life. We're alive. We might have some curses. And we should have blessings. Genesis 4.11. God spoke the curse. And he cursed Cain, the murderer. And now you are thou cursed from the earth, which had opened her mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. So the murderer, Cain, 
The seed of Satan was cursed by God. That's curse number three. Now, all those curses were not good things spoken. Those were judgments that were spoken upon them. These things were not good. God says, vengeance belongs to me. I will do the payback. So here we have God issuing judgment. Vengeance. He cursed, and who he cursed was cursed, but he never cursed the man. But he did curse the murderer, Cain. Yes, why? Because the devil is cur cursed, and the devil was operating through the murderer, Cain. Now we look at the blessings, and we see the blessings. Genesis 12. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get out of your, your country, from your kindred, from your father's house, unto a land that I will show you. I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless you and curse him that curse you. And in you shall all families of the earth be blessed. God was speaking to Abraham, but he was speaking the blessing through Abraham to the singular seed of Abraham, who was Jesus Christ, who would come at the 42nd generation. So, here we see a blessing, and understand, God says, I'm going to bless you, Daddy Abraham, but you shall be a blessing. Nobody is blessed through Abraham. We're blessed through Jesus. All the families of the earth shall be blessed in thee. Who is he talking to? Jesus, the seed of Abraham. So we have that blessing. Father Abraham got it, but it was in the seed, in his loins, the 42nd generation that would come. And we, I taught you that, and that's taken from Galatians 3 and 16. Anyway, let's go on to the next blessing, Genesis 27. And everybody knows this. We learned this when we were little children. Jacob and Esau. And we learned how Jacob robbed Esau of his blessings. Verse 25, Genesis 27. And he said, Bring it near to me, and I will eat of my son's venison, that my soul may bless you. And he brought it near to him, and he did eat. And he brought him wine, and he drank. And his father Isaac said unto him, Come near now, and kiss me, my son. And he came near and kissed him. And he smelled the smell of his raiment, and he blessed him. And this is what he said in the blessing. See, the smell of my son is as the smell of a field which the Lord had blessed. My son is the smell of a field that God has blessed. In other words, I bless you with the blessings of God. You shall be fruitful. You shall bring forth like a fruitful field. So you got to understand the blessing. So he blessed him to what? Thrive, to flourish, to prosper, to have good come to him and not evil. Verse 28 says, Therefore, God give you of the dew of heaven and the fatness of the earth and plenty of corn and wine. God make you fruitful. God make you bountiful. Bless my son with this blessing. Verse 29, he says, Let people serve thee and nations bow down to thee. Be Lord over your brethren and let your mother's sons bow down to you. In other words, you are the head, not the tail. And he blessed him. Cursed! Ah, did he see curse right there? Yes. So when he issued a blessing, Isaac blessed Jacob. He said, Cursed be everyone that curse you, and blessed be he that bless you. The same blessing that God blessed Father Abraham with. Cursed! Be everyone that curse you, and blessed be he that bless you. In other words, what they give out to you, give it right back to them. How many people understand that tonight? 
You're not to take anybody's curse. And I taught you that. Psalm 109. Has he loved to curse? Let the curses go right back to him. He takes no delight in blessing. Let blessings be far from him. Let the curses come in his bowels like water and like oil in his bones. Let the curses be as a garment that covers him, wherewith he is girded continually. Let the curses be like the undergarment and cover him, that he will be girded there all the time. So here we have blessing and cursing. Let people serve you. Nations bow down to you. Be Lord over your brethren. People must serve you. They must look up to you. Nations must bow down to you. Be Lord over your brethren. Be the leader over your brethren. Let your mother's sons bow down to you. Curse be everybody that curse you. Send it right back to them. They curse you. Curse be them. And anyone who bless you, bless them back. Why? You say nice things about me? The same to you, sister. Or the same to you, brother. You say some mean, nasty things about me? And I send it right back to you. And I'm doing it sevenfold. Verse 30. And it came to pass, as soon as Isaac had made an end of blessing Jacob, Jacob was yet scarce got out from the presence of Isaac, his father, that Esau, his brother, came in from his hunting. Okay. So we see the blessing was passed to Jacob. And we get an understanding of blessings and cursings. God has given blessings, but God also gives curses. God gives blessings to people, and he says, do good, like he blessed Abraham. And Abraham learned to bless Isaac, and Isaac turned around and he blessed Jacob. That's where you get the blessings from. Sons are blessed by their fathers. Daughters are blessed by their fathers. And as a spiritual father, I speak blessings over God's people. I love to bless God's people. But I also love to curse the enemies, those who would seek to curse. I stay up at night. I stay up at night releasing the word and speaking the word against those who harm and would seek to harm God's people, the church of Jesus Christ. I was up last night coding Psalm 83. And thank God, all those who would come against your people and all those who would come against your church, let them be like Zeb and Zalbona, Oreb and, and Zeb and all those who came against your people in times past. And you said, Lord God, what happened to them? They became like dung upon the earth. You killed them. And there was no one to bury them. Whatever they try to do to your church, God, turn it back around upon them. Why? You can't just pray for us for and no more. You must pray for the body of Christ. Anyone who seeks to curse you, send it right back to them. What they sow, they must also reap. So we have got to understand that. One must choose blessings or curses. In life, everybody has a chance. And you must choose either to be blessed or to be cursed. But you got to do the choosing. Hello. I said, you got to do the choosing. Nobody can choose for you. Let's look at Isaiah 118. Come now, let us reason together, said the Lord. God is able to be reasoned with. He is a reasonable God. Let's reason together. Let's talk together. What does that mean? It means get in your Bible. And look at the Word of God and study the Word of God. Let God talk to you and you can talk back to Him. What does this mean? What do you mean when you see that? Say, say this. Come now, let us reason together. God says, I want to talk to you. You can talk to Him. Though your sins be as scarlet, red as ever, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. If you be willing, verse 19, and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you shall be devoured with the sword, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. Watch that word carefully. If you're willing, obedient, eat the good of the land. Refuse and rebel, you shall be devoured with the sword. 
Why? Because the mouth of God had spoken. It is the word of God that stands. And guess what? God is telling here right now, pick your choice. Pick your choice. Do you want blessings? You want to be willing and obedient? Or do you want cursings? You want to refuse and rebel? You can choose. I made my choice several years ago. I refused. <laughs> and I was devoured. Thank God I didn't die. Amen. But when I came into obedience, I was started to eat the good of the land. And I was fabulously blessed. And I'm still being blessed now. And blessings is not always counted in money, dollars and cents. Blessings can be counted in how you're thriving and how you're flourishing and how you're, what you're doing and how successful you are in doing what you're doing for Jesus. And I consider myself successful. The Lord has given me and allowed me to write four published books, and I'm still writing for the Lord. So I consider myself very successful. Why? Because I've been obedient. And I know many of you, you are successful. You're thriving and you're flourishing. You might not be a millionaire, okay? And you might have a little difficulty finding some money live here and there. And you're going through your stuff, but listen, you're very successful. Why? You're in obedience to Jesus. You have chosen to be blessed. You didn't choose to refuse and rebel so that you'll be devoured with the sword. And I know many people are fighting God, and they have no success. They're just lumping and bumping. They're in the spiritual twilight zone. They can't see for looking. Twilight means that when you're dark, you, you just can't see your way. It's not fully dark, but it's not light enough that you can see your way. At twilight, in the evening, or early morning, if you throw a quarter on the ground, you can't find it. You might throw a dollar bill on the ground, and you can't find it. You're in the twilight. But my God, when the light begins to shine, you can see. And this is where we want to get you through Bible Code 7. We want to bring you out of spiritual twilight. Yes, I know you came out in darkness. And you're in the marvelous light of Jesus Christ, but many God's people are still in the spiritual twilight. You're not seeing clearly. And I want to bring you into the noonday of Jesus and in the noonday of his word. So let's go on. Joshua 24. We're talking about blessings and cursings. And we're talking about you having the choice and the opportunity to make that decision, to choose. Joshua 24:15. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose. Here's the key word. Choose you this day whom you will serve. Because whom you will serve will depend upon whether you receive a blessing or you receive cursing. Whether the gods, common G-O-D-S, which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods, common G-O-D-S, of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as to me and my house, we will serve the capital L-O-R-D, the Lord Jesus. As to me and my house, my determination and my choice is to serve Jesus. <clears throat> my choice is Jesus. I choose to be blessed. And I know you have chosen to be blessed. And God is going to bless you to the extent because you have come on board where you're going to come out of the spiritual twilight and you're going to come out to clarity in the noonday sun where you receive the maximum blessings of God. <clears throat> blessings declares or prophesies good. Cursings or curses declares or prophesies evil. Question is, can curses be unlocked? Undone, can curses be reversed? The answer is yes, yes, yes. The curses can be barred, sent back, reversed. Why? The Bible tells us so. The Bible says yes. And you know most people, and they're intelligent. I spoke to someone, a lady, a couple of weeks ago, and she said, when you started talking about certain things, I was afraid, and I didn't want to, you know, I didn't want to come, I didn't want to hear that. Because... When, I, when we talk about cursings, people don't want to hear that stuff. But is it real? Of course it's real. 
Can somebody be cursed me? You better understand that you're being cursed right now. How do I fight it? Well, that's what I'm doing to teach you, how to reverse it, how to break it, unblock it. Most people live their lives under a curse, and they never maximize their potential. Most people are limited. They come this far, but they go no further. Most people have this much, but they have no more. And I'm not just talking about money. I'm not just talking about in life, education. Some people have it in their health. You're this well, but you can't be at the peak of health, good health. You have this much peace, but you can't have no more. You come this far, but you can't go no further. Why? Because Satan has put a lock on you. Some way, somehow, there is either a generation curse coming down your mama, your grandmother, your daddy, or your father, people up the line, coming down to you, but you can't break that curse to get into your hundredfold. Your hundredfold is your arena of victory and success. When Jesus says you shall have the hundredfold, 100 times what God has blessed you with. This is what he desires for you, and this is what he wants you to have. Rich people are cursing the poor people to keep them poor and under. You've got to understand that. And we're gonna see we're gonna see that tonight. Oh Bishop, you mean rich people do that? They're educated, Bishop. <laughs> you better stop that nonsense. You better wake up and smell the coffee. Ain't nobody do more voodoo, hoodoo, santeria, this, that, than rich people. That's why they get rich. And not all of them now, but most of them. Proverbs 22 and verse 7 says what? The rich rules over the poor, and the, 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 the borrower is slave to the lender. Don't you ever forget that. Where do we get all these problems from in the world today? The rich ruling over the poor. Where do we get the problems from? 1% of the world's population, 1%, controls over 55% of the world's riches, the world's wealth. 10% of the world's population, listen to this, owns and controls 85% of the world's wealth, which leaves 90% of the world's population to fight one another, they hate one another, black fighting white and white fighting black, Asians and Hispanics and everybody else fighting one another, over 15% of the world's wealth. Out of every $100, 90% of the world's people are fighting for $15. Did you hear that? When 10% of the world's people, they got $85, 85%, while 90% fight one another and hate one another, over 15% the scraps that is left over. By the way, when you go to a hotel or you go to a restaurant, they say the gratuity, the tip for the waiter, normally 15%. So the lion's share is owned by 10%. And 90% of the world is fighting for the tip, 15%. Nowadays, the tip is 20%. But we'll just keep it at 15% because guess what? It ain't no 20%. It's 15% that's left over when 10% of the world's people grab their share, 15% is left. And 90% of the world is fighting over that. I hope you understand that. I want you to understand that. How on God's little green earth did this happen? Because you don't wake up and understand and smell the coffee. I've said it before and I'm going to say it again. I write it in my books. The white guy and the black guy and the Hispanic guy and the Asian guy and whatever the guy color is or where he come from, we're not enemies to each other. We don't need to fight one another. Because you're one color and we, you're another language and you're another color. That's stupid. You've got to understand who your enemy is. Your enemy is the rich who is keeping your poor. They rule over the poor. They don't want to share. They want to maintain the status quo. And they use cursing. 
Did you hear what I'm saying? They use cursing to maintain their status quo. That's the reason why I write the books that I write, and that's the reason why God has given me the breakthrough strategy called the hundredfold. Bible Code 7. You must have your hundredfold, but you need a blueprint. You need a strategy to get it. Bible Code 7 is the strategy. I'm going to turn to page 50 of that book, The Hundredfold, and I'm going to be excerpting, reading. And I'm going to show you, as I revealed in the book, if you have that book, go to page 50, how to counter, how to unlock, undo the curses of a master warlock. I won't get through with everything today, tonight, but I will continue part two next week because I want you to understand that. And by the way, all of what you hear me teaching here tonight and what I write about, I never heard in all my Christian life, 30-odd years of being a Christian, I never heard people teach about this guy that I'm about to talk about. I've heard people talk about Shamgar, who was one of the judges of Israel, Gideon, and David, and Isaiah, and Elijah, and Elisha, and John, and all the successful people, the, the heroes in the Bible, the big boy. But I never heard anybody talking about this guy. So we want to go into some teaching about this guy and why this guy is so important. So page 50 of the hundredfold, I want to say now, this scripture clearly indicates the nature of our enemies, which are not physical but spiritual, and the conditions that follows spiritual attacks. My grandmother always used to say to me, we must fight fire with fire. Demonic forces of evil must be fought with the word of God, which is fire and a hammer that breaketh the rocks in pieces. The name of Jesus Christ only. So we fight with the word and the name of the Lord Jesus only. We don't go doing hocus pocus. We don't burn candles and burn incense and do all that kind of stuff that most people think they could do. You go in a supermarket, you'll see a whole section with candles and all them stuff, yellow candle, red candle, all that stuff, and people do all them stuff to fight devils. All right. You must become a spiritual flamethrower and a spiritual jackhammer. One must recognize their enemy in order to know how to fight them. So the Bible calls upon us in Ephesians 6 and 12, recognition of our enemy. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. We're not wrestling, wrestling with people, but against principalities, powers, the rulers of the darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness in high places or in heavenly places. That's our enemies that we wrestle with. Then in the Geneva Bible, it says we wrestle against wicked, worldly governors or wicked, worldly rulers. So all the spiritual entities need a human person to wrestle against. So the wicked worldly governors or the wicked worldly rulers, which King James had taken out of the King James Bible. <clears throat> Why? Because he was rich. He was a ruler. And he says, I don't want you to know that. Because you're going to be praying against me and I want to maintain my authority and my control over you. So you take that out, boys. He told the scholars who translated the Bible in 1611. Take it out of the King James Bible. But guess what? God was so good, he left it in the Geneva Bible, which was printed in 1599. So what King James thought he was slick and he wanted to do, God allowed it to be in that Bible, the Geneva Bible. And this is the reason why you must understand the rich rules over the poor. The king, King James, wanted rulership over his subjects. And he didn't want anybody praying against him, and he didn't like that. So he said, take it out, wipe it out. And that's the reason why God gives the Bible, and it's written in a coded manner. And I've taught you before, the Bible is like a giant jigsaw puzzle. You will find a piece over here in the, in the first couple books. You'll find some in the middle, and you'll find another piece. But when you take it all and put it together, you say, oh, that's what it means. Why? Because you see a clear picture. 
But you don't see everything just spelled out like that. Because you see wicked tyrants like King James would have shopped the Bible. So thank God he was wise enough to do it that way. Jesus came to give us the abundant, victorious life, the overflowing and joyful life. Anything less than this is reason to war against these conditions or entities using Bible Code 7. Allow me to prepare your mind for what I'm about to reveal to you. The power of this revelation is shown here in the Word of God. Now, we are going to look at the attempted cursing of God's people by using the principle of Code 7. Code 7 is a God-given principle to be used by his children to defend and to be a blessing to themselves. This principle was hijacked by a wicked man and is used now to harass and oppress God's children. As we study this scriptural revelation, we are to ask ourselves a question, is what we are about to read of right now being done today? Why are there so many pockets of grinding poverty and crime in the midst of such great wealth and prosperity in America today? <clears throat> Why is there such abundant wealth and yet there is such dire poverty, homelessness, despair? Covered up in plain sight is a most powerful revelation regarding God's power that is to be released from the arsenal of his word. Many times over, as we study the Bible, we tend to look at the great people, Elijah, David, Elisha, you know, men like those, that God has used in the past and to emulate them. Nothing wrong with that. However, we do not find time to study carefully enough the bad examples of some people who are not perceived to be great in the Bible. Balaam was such a man. Balaam was a great man for evil and not for good. Balaam was and is the root cause of God's people's struggles then as well as now. God brought me into a study of Balaam. And what a mighty revelation it was that he was revealed to me. This revelation is like the linchpin on a hand grenade. Let us look at some names and their meanings. So before we study Balaam, let's look at the name. Balaam means foreigner, not of the people. Balak means a waster, a destroyer, a devastator, and a spoiler. Balaam was a powerful man in the land of Pethor. Balaam was the son of Beor. Beor means burning. The name of this Mesopotamian town Balaam was from is Pethor. And the word Pethor means soothsayer. What's a soothsayer? He was a warlock. He's a man, so he couldn't be a witch. He's a warlock, a male witch. Soothsayer. All right? Balaam showed himself to be a man of God on the first encounter that was made with him. He had the gift of prophecy. Balaam was approached and asked to curse God's people. Numbers 22 and verse 8. And he said unto them when they approached him, Lodge here this night, and I'll bring your word again. As the Lord, you know, like God, shall speak unto me. And the princes of Moab abode with Balaam. So you had the Moabite king Balak. And the king of Midian, two people, came to Balaam. They wanted a job done. Not a bless me job, but a curse me job. So Balaam said, I must wait for the Lord to speak to me and tell me what to do. That's reasonable. Here he demonstrates that he is a servant of God and obedient to God. Numbers twenty-two twelve. God said to Balaam, you shall not go with them. You shall not curse the people. But they are blessed. End of story. Don't curse them. They are blessed. This is God's response to Balaam. Don't go. Don't curse my people. They are blessed. The second time they came to Balaam, he should have turned them back and said, Hey, God already spoke. But he entertained them. And he asked God again what to do. 
Balaam also expressed his allegiance to God and that he was a servant of God. He called God the Lord my God. Numbers 22, 18, and Balaam answered and said unto the servants of Balak, If Balak would give me his house full of silver and gold, I cannot go beyond the word of the Lord my God, the Lord my God, to do less or more. And God came to Balaam at night, said unto him, If the men come to call you, rise up and go with them. But yet the word which I shall say unto you, that shall thou do. Balaam rose in the morning and saddled his ass and went with the princes of Moab. God's anger was kindled because he went. Well, wait a minute, God. Did you tell him, rise up and go? <laughs> God, in the 20th verse, Numbers 22, God came to him at night and said to him, if the men come to call you, rise up and go with them. But the word which I will say to you, that shall you do. The 21st verse, Balaam rose up in the morning and saddled his ass and went with the princes of Moab. Verse 22, God's anger was kindled because he went, and the angel of the Lord stood in the way for an adversary on, against them. Now he was riding upon his ass, and his two servants were with him. So here, what, what's going on here, God? You told him, go, and now you get angry? What's going on here? Well, let me give you the revelation that God gave me. God's anger was now kindled against Balaam because he went with the men. God told Balaam in the first place it was okay to go with them, but now the anger of God rose up against Balaam. Why? Something drastically changed. Why? Because God is perfect. God is not bipolar. No. It had to be something about Balaam that changed to make God change. That's the key. That's what happened. So people stay away from the scripture. They don't even preach it. They don't talk about it. But when you dig into it, God gave me the revelation of it. Why? Because you've got to ask God. You've got to keep knocking on God's door. So there's nothing wrong with God. He's not bipolar. So something had to be wrong with Balaam that changed to make God change. The God who sees all hearts saw in Balaam's heart that greed had kept in, crept in, and that he now coveted the rewards of divination, gold, silver, and clothing. Therefore, God's anger was kindled against Balaam because he went with them for the wrong reason. He desired to go for money. Now God sent an angel to resist him, but Balaam was so blinded by greed, he could not see or perceive the angel's presence. Here's a man of God, and he, an angel stood in the way to resist him, and he was blinded. He had lost connection with God. But the donkey did. <laughs> Balaam's condition grew worse in that God allowed his donkey to talk to him, and he began to talk back to the donkey with great anger. Even to the point of striking the donkey with his staff and would go even further to kill the donkey if he had a sword. Balaam had become so blinded that a conversation with a donkey seemed normal to him. God now had to intervene and open his eyes to see the angel. A human jackass speaking to an animal jackass. That's the only way I can describe it. May God not allow us to be blinded to this, his revelations by things of this world, but open the eyes of our understanding to see and understand what he is saying to the churches today. In all our getting, we must get understanding, and the hour is late, the time short. May God Almighty remove the scales from our blinded eyes, so in looking we may perceive. Numbers twenty-two, twenty-nine, and Balaam said unto the ass, Because you have mocked me, I would hear if there were a sword in my hand, for now I would kill you. He was enraged. He went ballistic. Sounds like somebody you know what we talked about. Sounds like Cain. He said, if I had a sword, I'd kill you. God allowed a donkey to talk to a money-blinded prophet gone astray. A first and only event like this in the Bible 
But still, God had a master plan, for he holds the master key. Numbers 22, 32, 32 through 34. And the angel of the Lord said unto him, Wherefore have thou smitten thine ass these three times? Behold, I went out to withstand you, because your way is perverse before me. See? The angel came and told him, Your way is perverse before me. You're blinded by money. And the ass saw me and turned from me these three times. Unless he had turned from me, surely now also I would have killed you and saved her alive. And Balaam said unto the angel of the Lord, I have sinned, for I knew not that thou stoodest in the way against me. Now, therefore, if it displease you, I will go back again. So here we have the answer. <clears throat> he became perverse. The rewards of divination, which we'll see in a little while, maybe next week, blinded him. So don't believe God was bipolar. Or something was wrong with God. There's nothing wrong with God. There's nothing wrong with his word. We've got to search out the word and see what's wrong. There's always the fault in man, not God, not his word. The way of Balaam was now perverse before God, and God is now angry with him. Balaam recognizes that sin had crept in his heart. And as a prophet of God, he could not discern the presence of the angel that withstood him. As we can see from the text, the ass Balaam was riding on saw the angel of God and turned from the path to avoid the angel. But Balaam struck the donkey and would have killed it if he had a sword. Now, rage and anger, rage and anger which Balaam exhibited are the entry points of the devil. That's page 56. First paragraph, rage and anger. The two entry points of the devil. Satan. When you see people get angry, when you see people exhibit rage, trust me. Just like Cain, get emotional, rage and anger, Satan is providing. Surely not Jesus. Satan. Blinding Balaam to an even deeper extent than he, the lust for gold and silver. Hmm? So, God was not about to have his master plan trifled with. So, now follow closely and we will see a blockbuster revelation. A wicked root of evil that comes down to today's evil works. Numbers 23 and verse 1. Balaam said unto Balak, how he went. And he says, I'm going to effect my craft. I'm going to curse the people for you. This is how I do my curses. Now, I want you to understand something here. You've got to listen and you've got to look very carefully. Because Balaam was about to do something wicked and evil. And that wickedness and that evil, where did he get it from? Where did he get it from? And that's what we're about to see. And how did it come down the generation lines till today? And how is it being used against the people the blinded people, the foolish people, people living in the twilight zone, Christians in the twilight zone. They're Christians. They're out of the darkness. They're into the light of Jesus Christ, but they're in a the twilight zone. They don't understand. That's why I'm going to bring understanding to you. I'm going to get you out of the twilight zone. I'm going to bring you into the midday zone. <clears throat> Numbers 23 and verse 1. Balaam said unto Balak, Build me here seven altars, and prepare me here seven oxen and seven rams. Did you hear that? Seven altars. What does the number seven mean? Oh, it's God's perfect number, really. Other than that, what does it mean? I reveal it all here in the book. It's the signature of God. It's the number you tap into God with. The number of succession and success. I taught you so many times before that when the priest, the high priest, go into the Holy of Holies once per year, he had to take the blood of the bullock. And he had to sprinkle on the mercy seat seven times. And if he only sprinkled six times, he'd be struck dead. 
That would be for the atonement of his personal sins and his family. Then he had to go back outside and take the blood of the chosen goat. One goat was the scapegoat, and one goat was the chosen sacrificial goat. And he had to take that blood and sprinkle on the mercy seat of the Ark of the Covenant. And we were talking about the Ark of the Covenant today. And he had to do it how many times? Seven times. Not six, not five. Seven times. This is the basis and foundation of Bible Code 7. And if you don't understand it, you'll breeze right over it. Now I want to take you to understanding the root of evil today. Balaam said to Balak, build me seven altars and prepare me seven oxen, seven rams. One oxen and one ram on every altar. What are you going to do with that, Balaam? He's going to make seven sacrifices, dude. That's how he affects his craft. Don't miss this. Balaam was about to use Bible Code 7 to curse God's children. Let's look at closely at the word again. The required ingredients of Balaam to effect the curse are seven altars, seven oxen, seven rams. Why not ten? Why not a dozen oxen? Why not a dozen altars? Why not five altars and five rams and five oxen? Why not five? No, seven. That's the code. That's the key. That's the access number. That's what opens the lock. Seven. In other words, Balaam used Bible code seven to do his evil work because God's code seven is guaranteed to work. We know that the devil imitates God. And here's a verifiable proof. This was not going to be a bless me or bless the people job, but a curse the people job. In other words, I'm going to curse God's people by evil sevening. Speaking the curses against God's people seven times. Now we'll use seven altars with seven sacrifices to bring this about. This is how it's done. This is his success method. This is how Balaam got such a great success rate prior to meeting Balak. Ha. Huh. But anyway, God would not allow Balaam to complete the job of cursing his people. And by the way, Balak, they came to Balaam, and they said, Balaam, we know you're the master. Anybody you bless is blessed. And anybody you curse is cursed. Did you hear that? That's what they told him. That's what the Bible says. Anybody you bless is blessed. That's Numbers 22, verse 6. Come, therefore, I pray. Curse me, this people, for they are too mighty for me. Peradventure I shall prevail that we may smite them, we may kill them, and that we may drive them out of the land. For I know that who, he whom you bless is blessed. And he whom you're cursed is cursed. Hmm? Anybody you bless is blessed. And anybody you curse is cursed. You're a sure winner. You have a sure hex. You have a sure spell. Man, you're the man. Balaam, you're the man. You are the man, Balaam. And nobody can go above you. You see, these people didn't look to God. They didn't look above Balaam and they looked to the Almighty God. They didn't know the Almighty God. They only know a man that can fix something down here. How many people you know? They know somebody down here. They know the witch doctor, the Santeria priest, the voodoo man. They know somebody down here that they can go to to fix a situation for them. And they go, hey, fix it for me. They don't go to Jesus. But we go to Jesus. My job is to bring you out of the twilight zone and show you how they done. Because the Bible says, you know, 
We are sent out as lambs among wolves. And we are to be wise as serpents or as shrewd, conniving, knowing as serpents. We must know the modus operandi of the devil. But we are to be harmless, just like doves. So we must know how the devil is doing and what he's doing. And this is how it's done. When they curse, they curse seven times. What they do, they do seven times. So we must understand seven curses will lock it up. How do you unlock it? We'll deal with that next week. If you twist something, a nut, a nut over a bolt, and it takes seven turns to tighten the nut on the bolt, how many turns will it take to unlock it? It'll take seven turns to unlock it. But rest assured, because of the mercy of God, God will not allow Balaam to complete the job of cursing his people. Or else they surely would be cursed people. But let me ask the question, because I'm going to wrap up tonight. I'll deal with the rest of it next week, part two. How many of God's people are being cursed? We're Christians and we're being cursed by some very fabulously wealthy people. Like Balak, a billionaire, multi-millionaire, big boy. He goes to a Balaam, goes to a warlock, a master warlock. And he says to this warlock or a witch, female witch, I want you to curse the masses of the people for me so they buy my product. I want you to curse the masses of the people so they come to my business and come patronize my business. It might be a fast food restaurant. And I can tell you this, by the way, because you see, I, I studied this a couple of years ago. McDonald's, when they started out, McDonald's in the boardroom in Chicago, they were having witches come in. And they had witches do incantations over their product. I had the book. Don't remember what I did with the book. I read the book. And many fast food places and many businesses, multinational corporations, they have witches that come in and, and do incantations. I wouldn't say they blessed because, you see, warlocks and witches came blessed. But they do incantations to bring the people in and buy their products. And guess what? Even I used to love McDonald's and Burger King and all the other ones that dare to. Don't, don't eat that stuff anymore. But many people who are very wealthy, they utilize witches and warlocks to cast spells over the people and do sorcery over the masses of people. And people are going, hey, let me go to McDonald's. McDonald's is my favorite place. And I can talk about it because, you see, I did the study. It's there. And you don't know why you're going there and you're eating their food every day. Because you've been what? You've been hexed. A spell has been cast upon you. Why are you buying a certain brand all the time? Why do you go to a certain store all the time? Because you've been hexed. A spell has been cast upon you. Why are the poor people so poor in certain areas of the city? And you see a pocket, a little place like Liberty City. Why are those people so poor? And they can't seem to break out. Could it be that there's a territorial demon over there that keeps the people locked in poverty? Could it be? Is that possible? Of course it is. That's why I'm showing you with Balaam, and we're going to talk about that next week. Balaam was called by the king of Midian and the, uh, and the king of Moab, Balak. Come and curse these people for me. Do you know how many people that was? You're looking at about 3 million people led by Moses coming through the land. 3 million. Is it possible to curse a large group of people? Of course it is. That's why God had to intervene and say, no, you can't curse them. 
Are there some cursed people upon the world? Ethnic groups cursed? Of course. Tell the world I said so. Can people be cursed in a geographical area? Yes. We'll deal with that next week. Simon the sorcerer in an area called Samaria, where everybody in Samaria was under his spell. Don't tell me nonsense. How do you counter the curse and come out from under? I'll show you. That's what Bible Code 7 is all about. But I got to get you ready and give you a foundation and make you know and understand that you can counter, you can unlock, you can undo the curses of a master warlock. How did he do it? And how can we unlock, how can we counter on and undo what he did? That's what Bible Code 7 is all about, for God's people to undo the curses, the sorcery, the witchcraft, which the wicked, evil, rich people are cursed us with. Well, I say us because I'm out from under the curse. And many of you, you have been uh, coding, you're out from under the curse. But you see, we're still not where we should be. But we're going to get there. But the masses of the people, they lead lives of quiet desperation. Why? Because they've been cursed. Rich rules over the poor. That's why they're so rich and they got so much money. Simon, the sorcerer, have been utilized to curse the people and keep them in bondage. And if you don't know this, if you don't realize it, if you don't know what you're up against, you will live your life and you'll never maximize your potential. You'll never get anywhere. Well, you'll have just so much but no more. That's where they want to keep you. But as far as your hundredfold is concerned, forget it. Just enough, no more. Sick enough, <laughs> are well enough, but no weller, no more health. Enough money, but never enough, never the abundance. Education, just enough. A job, just enough. Got to keep you there. And with what's going on today, my God, let me tell you something. With the amount of people today that are out of work, and guess what? I'm reading, I'm reading the reports that says the people who are rich and at the top, they're becoming richer. So they're not going to control just 85%, the 10%, 85% of the world's wealth. They're going to be controlling 90% of the world's wealth. And 90% of the world will be fighting for 10% of the world's wealth. Scrapping and fighting one another. How can you fight them? Can you fight them? And how can you fight them? Please understand, it's not a sticks and stones fight, guns and bullets. Never. But we have better weapons than that. Mightier weapons. And when we begin to fight, man, when we begin to use a strategy, the Bible says we don't take ownership of the battle. Mm-mm. We own the strategy, but we don't own the battle. So Bible Code 7 is a strategy I want to teach you so you own it. Self-preservation, self-defense, you own it. You can't live on crumbs. You've got to feed your family. You've got to take care of yourself. Whatever Jesus said you can have, you're going to have it. How are you going to have it? got to have a strategy. Bible Code 7. I want you to understand what I'm teaching you here is what revelation from the Lord. Bible Code 7. That's why I wrote the book. I have several books through Bible Code 7, through the util utilization of the strategy, the hundredfold. That's the first book, explaining the strategy. Go to BibleCode7.com. Check out our books. Not only get one for yourself, get somebody. Bring something between your ears. And if you're a Christian, bring them out of the twilight zone. Christians are in the twilight zone. They're out of darkness, but they're not fully, not fully into the midday zone where I see clearly the word of God and you're into the success. People tell me, oh, I'm blessed and highly favored. Yes, you are. 
I'm the head and not the tail, but when I look at you, I can see you're surely not the head. I want you to come out of crumbs. I want you to come out of what? Crumbs. I want you to come out of struggling and struggling. I want you to come out of, uh, of fighting and, uh, and struggling. I want you to come into victory. I want you to come into thriving. I want you to come into success. I want you to come into maximized potential and become all that Jesus has said. This is my passion. This is my assignment. This is to bring you out and bring you where Jesus has planted you. And this is where Jesus says, you should be, you must be. I want to bring you into your hundredfold. Too many people, have, too many Christians have died and gone to their graves expecting their blessing, their hundredfold in the sweet by and by. Jesus said you need to have your hundredfold here on earth and in the life to come everlasting life. This is my assignment to bring you there. So catch you next week, same time. Bible Code 7, University of Spiritual Warfare. Go to BibleCode7.com. Get that book to hundredfold if you don't have it. Get a couple copies, share them around. Your friends, your family, your sons, your daughters, and utilize the strategy. And we'll talk about it next week. Till then, may the Lord bless you, may the Lord keep you. May he make it God is that the light of his countenance upon you and his peace. Now a fabulous night.